evidence and answers. Atheist Richard Dawkins states, Ever since the 19th century, scholarly theologians have made an overwhelming case that the Gospels are not reliable accounts of what happened in the history of the real world. All were written long after the death of Jesus, and also after the epistles of Paul. Is Richard Dawkins right? Do we have an accurate record of the life of Christ? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will share a message in which he defends the historical reliability of the Gospels. Now with part one is our host, Pat. Everything that we are talking about in this series and more, you can go to our website at evidenceandanswers.org, evidenceandanswers.org. You can read dozens of articles there on the things that we are talking about. You can also listen to podcasts and interviews with scholars uh, far more intelligent than I am and debates that I've had with people of opposing worldviews to see how the evidence that I'll be presenting stands up. So great resource for you there at evidenceandanswers.org. Many of you know I did not grow up in a Christian home, and as I studied the world religions, I realized that most religious works were written generations after the death of the founder. And if the founders were historical figures, Gautama, Lao Tzu, Confucius, perhaps Muhammad, there was nothing really supernatural about their life. None of them claimed to be a god or the divine son of God. Most of them claimed to be a prophet or a teacher. Religious works that had supernatural events in them, demigods coming to earth, demigods doing miraculous works, we knew were mostly legendary in nature. Well, when I read the story of Jesus Christ, I realized what we have here is a miracle-working, sinlessly perfect Messiah who claimed to be God in the flesh, who died a sacrificial death for mankind and then resurrected himself from the dead. Really, I dismissed this immediately as another legendary story, like the other religious literature, until I began to examine the evidence. The Gospels are not legendary in their style of writing. They are written as historical literature. Right? For example, look how Luke opens up in chapter 3. He opens up with this. He says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being the Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Iturea, <clears throat> Trachonitis, and Licinius, the Tetrarch of Abilene, during the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He is naming a very specific time a very specific moment in history, naming specific historical people and a specific location. All right, this is not a legendary kind of literature. This is not mythology here. In mythical literature, we're not given historical details like this. And as I began to examine the evidence for Christ, I realized it was very different in nature. I soon came to realize there is 
good, compelling historical evidence that Jesus was not a mythical figure, but a real historical person who lived a very unique and miraculous life like no other person in the history of the world. Now, the life of Christ is recorded for us in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the question for us today is, are these accurate historical records of the life of Christ? Because the implications are tremendous here, folks. If the Gospels are trustworthy, then what they record about Jesus is true. Then Jesus is indeed God come in the flesh. He is the Savior of mankind. He's the Lord of all creation. Right, so that's the implications here if the Gospels are historically reliable. Well, how do we know that they are historically accurate? Well, we first begin with the date of the Gospels. When were they written? Were they written in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses? If they are first-generation accounts, then they are very likely historical. The reason is this. Eyewitnesses, both hostile witnesses and favorable, can verify your accounts as true or false. If the Gospels are written in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses and they were not true, they could not have survived. Historians, we know that it takes 80 to 100 years for legends to develop. All right? And that's the pattern in history here. Why is that? Well, the generation of eyewitnesses have to die and pass away from the scene before legendary accounts can develop. If you're writing in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses, they can verify your accounts as true or false. So let's take a look at the Gospels. The date. Were they written in the generation of the eyewitnesses? Or were they written generations later as skeptics and critics Claim. Most critics and liberals allege that the Gospels were written about 80 to 100 years after the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. Noted atheist Richard Dawkins in The God Delusion writes this, Ever since the 19th century, scholarly theologians have made an overwhelming case that the Gospels are not reliable accounts of what happened in history of the real world. All were written long after the death of Jesus and also after the epistles of Paul. That's critical, all right, because historians, we know it takes two generations, 80 to 100 years for legends to develop. If you're inside of 80 years or even closer, that's way too short for legends to develop. So if we can show that the gospels are written in the generation of the eyewitnesses, we've got a good case they're historical and not legendary. Well, what did the top scholars in the field of New Testament history and Bible have to say? Well, F.F. Bruce, one of the premier New Testament scholars, writes this. He gives strong evidence that the New Testament was completed well within the first century and that most of the writings were completed 20 to 40 years prior. Dr. William F. Albright, he is the Dean of Modern Archaeology. He is one of the top authorities, especially in Near East archaeology in this arena. 
And he says this, in my opinion, every book of the New Testament was written by a baptized Jew between the 40s and 80s of the first century A.D., very probably between 50 and 75 A.D. The death of God, liberal theologian Bishop Robinson, all right, who denied much of the New Testament as historical after his many decades of study on the New Testament near the end of his life, came out with a book called Redating the New Testament and changed his position on the dates of the Gospels, right? He puts them very close to the lifetime of the eyewitnesses, right? Now, how do we know that the Gospels are not written 80 to 100 years after the life of Christ? Most likely, they're written about 15 to 30 years after the life of Christ, okay? And that date is absolutely critical. How do we know that? Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are generally dated now between 50 and 65 AD, all right? That's about 15 to 30 years after the life of Christ. John is the final gospel. He wrote it at the end of his life in about 90, 95 AD. He's the only gospel writer, the only apostle who was not martyred. He lived into his 90s. Well, how do we know that these are indeed the dates? Well, we first look at the internal evidence, and the internal evidence supports some pretty early dates. How do we know this? Well, all the gospel writers record a very important prophecy made of Jesus. Jesus predicted that the Jerusalem temple would be destroyed right down to its very foundations. So they record Jesus' prophecy of the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, but they never record its fulfillment. That's very significant. We know that the Jerusalem temple was destroyed by General Titus of the Roman Legion in 70 AD. All right? Now, the Jerusalem temple is the most significant structure in the history of the nation of Israel. Even to this day, it's not there but it still remains the most important structure in the nation of Israel. It's strange that these gospels predict the destruction of Israel's most important structure, the temple, and never record the fulfillment of one of Jesus' most important prophecies. You know, what's more interesting is that when you read the Gospels, there's all these prophetic couplings, we call this, where Jesus makes a prediction, and then the Gospel writers state when it came true. Jesus said this, and it came true here. Jesus said this, and it came true here. There's these couplings we call prophetic couplings throughout the Gospels. But when it comes to one of Jesus' most important prophecies after the prediction of his resurrection, the destruction of the temple, they all record his prediction and never record its fulfillment. Very strange. The most plausible explanation is that these Gospels were completed prior to the destruction of the temple. Most historians are unanimous on that one. All right. Also, when you look at the book of Acts, all right, Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. It's written after the four Gospels. When you read the book of Acts, the temple is still a part of Jewish life. And so the book of Acts, which comes after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, was written 
before the destruction of the temple. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we can conclude are written prior to 70 AD, probably 65 AD or even earlier. Finally, the majority of New Testament scholars believe that the apostle Paul was killed in 64 AD under the emperor Nero. Hey, we've got really good evidence for that. So Paul was martyred in Rome in 64 AD. Most of his epistles he wrote between 50 and 60 AD before he was martyred. Well, what's interesting is in 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul quotes directly from the Gospel of Luke, right? Meaning Luke's Gospel was around. Paul knew it was inspired scripture, and he quotes it directly. Therefore, Luke was written before 64 AD. Now, this would move the timeline up because if Luke is written before 64 AD, most scholars agree Matthew and Mark precede Luke. All right, so we're moving the timeline up uh, now quite a bit. The evidence also shows that the book of Acts, okay, that's the fifth book in the New Testament. It follows the four gospels. It's written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The book of Acts is written before 62 AD. How do we know that? Well, there's no mention of the fall of the Jerusalem temple, Israel's most important structure. There's no reference to the Jewish-Roman war that led to the destruction of Jerusalem and sent the Jews in exile for nearly 2,000 years. No mention of that, which began in 66 AD. No mention of Emperor Nero's persecution of the Christians, where thousands of Christians were martyred, including several of the apostles of Christ. The death of Paul is never mentioned. You look in the book of Acts, the final chapter in the book of Acts, how does it end? Paul under house arrest, and then it suddenly ends. Really strange way to end the book of Acts. But the reason it ends in such a funny way is that Paul was still alive when the book of Acts was completed. Peter, we know, died in 64 AD under Nero as well. His death is never mentioned. And then we have the Apostle James, the leader of the church in the book of Acts. He is the leader and he is killed in 62 AD. Uh, Jewish historian Josephus records how he was killed. He was thrown off the temple mount and then beat to death once he hit the ground. Okay? He died in 62 AD. So we have a book of Acts all right, that records the death of much less significant people, like a guy named Stephen, who was a deacon, but of its three main characters, right? the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, James, the leader of the church, he never mentions their death. The Jerusalem temple is still standing in the book of Acts and a part of the Israelite culture there. What we can conclude is Acts is written before 62 AD. An example would be like this. Say you open up a history book on the history of New York City and the first page has been ripped out. Okay, you don't know when this book was written. Right? But you flip through the book, and the last page ends with the World Trade Center still standing. Okay? Twin Towers are still there. Nothing is mentioned of 
Nothing is mentioned of the governor of New York at that time, Governor Pataki. Nothing is mentioned of the mayor at that time, Giuliani. Nothing is mentioned of President Bush. All the events that are written about end before 9-11-2001. Well, you look at that book and what would you conclude right away? The most reasonable conclusion is that this history book of New York doesn't mention one of the most significant events in the history of New York. It must have been written prior to 2001. Well, that's what you have in the book of Acts. It doesn't mention the fall of Israel's most important structure and of the three leaders of the Christian church. So we move the timeline up quite a bit. The internal evidence shows the Gospels are not written 80 to 100 years later. All right? If you look at the timeline, 70 AD is the destruction of the temple. They're written before that. They're written before the death of Peter, Paul, and James. That's 62 AD, written prior to that. So now we're getting somewhere around 50 AD. That's where Acts is written. Well, we know the Gospel of Luke precedes Acts. Most historians agree Matthew and Mark come before Luke. Look how close we're getting to the life of Christ. All right, so the internal evidence shows us that the date of writing of the Gospels is about 15 to perhaps 30 years after the life of Christ, well within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. Now, the external evidence also supports a first century date. The documentary evidence we have of the New Testament is, is far surpasses any other historical work of its time. When you look at just the Greek manuscripts, we have over 5,000 ancient Greek manuscripts. Many are dated to within just decades of the author's life. Here's just three, all right? We have the Chester Beatty Papyri, which contains most of the New Testament. Now remember, they don't have computers and printers back then, it's hand copy. So how long does it take for the individual books to be written, then copied, then put together, okay, in a canon, all right, and then copied, and we got the Chester Beatty papyri, probably centuries before. The Bodmer papyri is a copy of the Gospel of John, dating about 200 AD. And then we have an important fragment here. This was found in Egypt, dated to 120 AD. That's 20 to 30 years within the life of its author, John. And it was found in Egypt. Okay? This is a copy of the Gospel of John, okay? a fragment from the book of John. So John had to write his book in Turkey or Asia Minor. Then it was copied and copied and copied and copied and copied. And we found this copy, this fragment, all the way down in Egypt. So it took a while to get copied and make its way to Egypt. We can conclude, therefore, that the original was probably written well within the first century. And then we have quotes from the early church fathers, all right, the leaders of the church, uh, the generation right after the apostles. And you look, they're already quoting the Gospels. The Gospels have been around. They know it's part of the inspired word of God, and they're quoting it. The Gospel of Pseudo-Barnabas, written somewhere between 70 and 120 A.D. Clement of Rome, writing to the Corinthian church in 90 A.D., uh, quotes from the Gospels. Polycarp, a disciple of John, quotes from the Gospels. All right, so you look at, you put all the evidence together, the external and internal evidence, 
And we've got pretty good evidence. The Gospels are not written 80 to 100 years after the life of the apostles. They're written, they're first-generation accounts written in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. Now, why is this so important? Well, early dating shows that the eyewitnesses were alive when the Gospels were circulating, and they can attest to the accuracy of the Gospels. The Gospels would not have lasted had their accounts not been accurate or true, because there are too many eyewitnesses who can verify your written account as true or false. Remember, when Christianity began, it was being preached in a very hostile arena, and the enemies of Christianity wanted to bring it to an end. And if they could discredit the accounts of the apostles, they would have done so. So the Gospels would have never made it had they not been true. Secondly, the time is way too short for legends to develop. Remember again, historians, we agree, it takes 80 to 100 years for legends to develop. The eyewitnesses have to pass away from the scene in order for legends to start creeping in. We know that, okay? We study history, we can see that pattern. William Lane Craig, fine scholar, writes this, the writings of the Greek historian Herodotus enable us to test the rate at which a legend accumulates. The tests show that even the span of two generations, 80 years, is too short to allow legendary tendencies to wipe out the hardcore of historical fact. Right, let me give you an example. Suppose I write a book and I said, this is the most accurate biography ever written of John F. Kennedy. All right, this is the most accurate biography to this date. Okay, and in my biography, I write, John F. Kennedy, after he was shot, was taken to Parkland Hospital and pronounced dead by Dr. Jones. Three days later, in that hospital morgue, he rose from the dead. Dozens of people at Parkland Hospital saw him. He was speaking at the convention center there in Dallas, witnessed by hundreds of people. He did miracles at Prestonwood Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, was witnessed by hundreds of people for 40 days, and then he ascended to heaven. Now, if I go to the city of Dallas and promote this biography, how many copies would I sell? Probably none, all right? It's been 60 years since the death of John F. Kennedy. Why is it that none of my books would sell? There's too many eyewitnesses who can verify my accounts as false, okay? Now, those of you that are published authors, especially when you're writing in arenas like this where there are opposing views, when you write your book or your article, you are scrutinized by the opposition very carefully. Your facts are checked. I mean, if you get your quotes wrong, if you get your footnotes wrong, they are all over you, all right? And if they can't find anything on you, they go after your wife and your children and your dog and your cat and whatever else they can find, all right? You really get scrutinized. What about the apostles? They're writing in a very hostile arena in the midst of Jewish scholars, people who want to bring an end to Christianity. You think their writing was scrutinized? You bet it was. If there was any way to discredit the account of the apostles, the eyewitnesses, their 
especially those who wanted to see an end to Christianity, would have found it easy to discredit the Gospels. They would not have made it, would not have survived had they not been true. How do the Gospels compare to other religious works? Well, you look at the life of Buddha, uh, Edward Konzi, okay? uh, you can pick up his book. He's one of the best scholars on Buddhism. He writes in his introduction, the Buddhist scriptures, we don't know if we have the originals. No one knows. Earliest copies appear four to 500 years after the life of Gautama. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Be sure to check out our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll see we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. So if you'd like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. You'll see we have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners, for the opportunity to partner with us. Once again, you can head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at HonoluluChristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckeran. Let's